and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about animals, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailedhawk90. My co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. You can find me on the internet at jadeoxidrose, and I use they, them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books, one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to it you can find in the show notes. Today, we are talking about book 39, The Hidden. Uh, the smile I could hear in your face as you were like, <laughs> yep, we're gearing up for this one. <laughs> Well, the thing, the, uh, so, the thing about this book is that it is notoriously bad. Mm. <laughs> um, With good is, reason. Yeah, it is It is pretty widely regarded as one of the worst books in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there, there are some good reasons for that. There is some, uh, you know, uh, uh, J.W. Asco uh, in our Discord talked about uh, or asked a question about how uh, he found it surprisingly uh, pathos-driven. Uh, mm. And I won't deny that. There is... Yeah, I, I uh, don't think the book is without merit. Yes. To be clear. I think there are some real interesting ideas that mm-hmm. it tried to do. Mm-hmm. I just think it's largely executed very badly. Yes. And has some super sort of muddled inconsistent morality that is once again stuck on a character that gets the short end of the sticks as far as that's concerned Mm -hmm. within these books generally Mm -hmm. i don't like it when they make cassie look stupid yeah when her emotional intelligence is one of the driving elements of her character Mm -hmm. and it feels very unfair yeah so yeah um and not to or try to undercut what um, Joasco was saying, but it's also real easy to get pathos that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I say easy, but like it's like when we talk about Oscar bait films. Like, okay, but we're gonna have like Cassie very emotionally invested in something, and we're gonna have an animal in distress mm-hmm. because that will make people sad. Yeah, I say this as somebody that has watched more than one movie in their life that's had sad animals in it. Like I am not immune <laughs> to sad animal propaganda. Okay. Uh huh. Did look, I did my time? Balto, Watership Down. We've all done it. I haven't seen Old Yeller, <laughs> but I know about it. Like there's precedent. Homeward Bound. Cry every mm. time. I haven't watched mm-hmm. that film in years, and I know it'll fuck me up. <laughs> so I don't need to. <laughs> It'll fuck me up more. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, like it's frustrating because as there are even a couple of sequences in this that I found really quite engaging. Mm-hmm. The opening bit of action, I was like, "Okay, this is really good. I like mm-hmm. this." Um, and that bit felt very well paced, which is why when we get into the uh, plot contrivances and the yo-yoing morality and the well, once again we come back into some of my pet peeves with regards to <laughs> how much human does something have to be for it to be bad uh-huh. and like trying to hang a lampshade on it which they do a little bit does not mm, hanging a lampshade on something doesn't excuse the presence of a thing Mm-hmm. Like you need to justify what you're doing or put the work in around it because mm-hmm. otherwise it just doesn't feel good to read or to watch depending on what the piece of media is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it's not like this Ghost Rider has done a, I double checked and now I've completely forgotten which ones are the ones. Uh, they're not bad though, for sure. Now right. I've remembered it. It's. The uh the conspiracy and the exposed mm-hmm. um were also written by this ghostwriter. Uh, the conspiracy is a uh, Jake 
But no, is the 27 the Jake book? I opened them no, both. No, 31 is the Jake book. book. You got it. So powerful. <laughs> That's the one with the going to the cabin, right? Mm-hmm. There's little, yeah. Yeah. And the exposed is the one with the Pemolite ship mm-hmm. underwater, mm-hmm. which it happens to have one of the appearances of my favorite piece of shit, the drone. <laughs> my beloved, that fucking asshole. It's great. Yep. Um, I don't stand. I think he sucks, and I love him for it. Okay, <laughs> just want him to get him on snap. That there, there's a fucking deep cut for a drag race snatch game. Just be the drode, and nobody except like a very slim margin of people will know who the fuck you are. <laughs> Fab. Somebody do a drag look based on the drode from Animorphs. That'll be powerful, frankly, and I want to see it. I'm off topic. I'm in the weeds. Can you tell I want to avoid talking about this book? <laughs> uh, yeah. So the the ghostwriter for this book is, uh, as Jade mentioned, Laura Batiani Weiss, uh, who also wrote 27 and 31, um, which were not bad books. Um, they obviously had their shortcomings. Um, and I think 27 suffered from some of the same action sequence mm. confusion that this one does if i remember correctly i don't remember very well um that sounds familiar that was that was like 10 whole recordings ago yeah it was a long time ago months and months yeah. um uh i think i remember 31 being a little confusing on the action sequences as well oh yeah because i had like the lake sequence and stuff like yeah the lake sequence and also them kidnapping chapman um yeah so it can be um like action not necessarily the strongest point like there are ideas in them that i'll tell you what what it is laura batiani wise writes good violence but mm-hmm. not very cohesive action sequences yeah yeah i just like, found there them are instances yeah exactly that they don't feel coherent like mm-hmm. there are visuals that are very striking yes. and interesting for sure but like moving from A to B and getting an idea of where a fight is happening in physical space. And to be fair, I don't know if all readers have this issue because I'm one of those people when reading a certain flavor of fanfic, I do get taken out of the action if I can't like yes. negotiate in See? three dimensions what's <laughs> happening. Um, and I don't think that is essential for a good action scene or smart scene for the, the thing. But if it's... It's like editing. If it's done well, you shouldn't be able to notice it. And if mm-hmm. you're not, unless it's a stylistic choice that's working, it can just be read as confusing as Danielle said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's let's start to get into it. Um, some book specific content warnings. Uh, there's a lot of weird moralizing about personhood and humanity and what makes someone human and we'll get into that a lot um violence against animals not in the sense of like intentional abuse but in the fact that there are actual animals that get into fights um and die and there die. is animal death in this there book. is animal death uh the buffalo dies at the end i'm sorry um there's notably violent descriptions of morphing and Way more body horror than usual. There are some horrifying morphing sequences. Yeah, you think maybe you've gotten acclimatized to reading the morphing sequences. Um, Laura Batani-Weiss comes out just like, oh, you thought? And gives (laughs) us some... There are some Cronenberg-esque, and I do not use that term lightly, Mm -hmm. descriptions of mid-morphs in this book that are genuinely upsetting to read yeah um Uh i'm not i don't think there might be a couple that we break down but uh we'll let you know as we're getting into them if that's something that you're not comfortable hearing please enjoy our disgust but we don't want you to feel it if it will be distressing (laughs) uh yeah uh so we open on cassie uh trying to catch an injured mouse that it has taken up residence in the barn. She wants to catch it so that she can, you know, actually take care of it. It looks like it has like a broken leg or something. 
Um, okay. I need to stop now because this from the jump is like, <laughs> why? Like, I get it. We know Cassie cares about animals very much. This feels like a really excessive uh, exaggeration of that. Like, I'm going to capture this wild animal that's just chilling and look at it. And like, it feels very ham-fisted. She could have been in the barn for any number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And I get that this is like underscoring for just how much uh, empathy Cassie has, how much she cares about animals, which to be clear is going to be hella undone at a couple of points in this book. Because mm-hmm. like, when we said about inconsistencies, this this book is rife with it. Um, but yeah, because we get this idea, she doesn't like seeing animals in pain if there's something she can do about it. Mm-hmm. And she usually is because her parents are vets. vets. So she has a means to do so. Mm -hmm. But also like, and I say this as somebody that has had enjoyed having pet mice uh, in my time. Uh, This just feels really unnecessary. Like most people, I say most people, I can't speak for everybody. This is one thing just like a bird that fell from a nest, say. Or mm-hmm. uh, the baby skunks, even, from an earlier book. Just a random barn mouse. Like, Tobias will sort that out for you next time he comes <laughs> by, girl. Like, and you won't need to worry about it no more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it's it, we, we don't have enough information to know if, like, this mouse was clearly uh, 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 inhibited by this crooked back leg of it um Mm -hmm. you know maybe we can give her the benefit of the doubt and say that she has seen it obviously like struggling to move like the leg is obviously broken and uh she she wants to have a look at it just because you know it's it's there she can catch it and why not they have they have all the stuff there to, to fix it um or it could just be that mouse walks kind of funny. I want to pick it up and look at it. I also understand the impulse. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry uh. if I made you feel judged with my averse reaction. <laughs> Who fucking does this? Because I know, uh. I'm like, I'd like to be clear, I got very upset two days ago because I accidentally drowned a spider in my bath. Mm-hmm, running the mm-hmm. shower and I saw it was that I tried to get it out of the bath and then it wasn't okay and I felt awful about it mm-hmm. so I am not immune to animal empathy <laughs> is my point no. no I'm just it 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 is it's an interesting choice of the particular way to show empathy I yes um, like if but they could have gone with like treating a patient that happens to yeah. bite her and she's mm-hmm. still like treats yeah. it kindly yeah that would have been better because that's a way to make it clear like her skills and also the way she handles herself in these situations mm-hmm. because there is a touch of and i don't think this is intentional by the writer um but just sort of like that though it could be very illustrative cassie knows what's best for people yeah so she's decided that she needs to look at this mouse yeah like the distress that small animals like that go through like that mouse might have a heart attack on being picked up like that like it's just that assumption that she will be able to do something mm-hmm. and maybe it's meant to be in contrast for later just like the things that she can do versus the things that she can't do yeah but it's like eh, Cassie comes across as a bit of a badass while simultaneously being morally all over the place in this because yeah. there are some these go morph so much in this book to the yeah. point where I'm like I'm Fuck. fairly certain we've made it clear nobody can morph quite this much in this space of time but they have been at this a long time at this point and like any mm-hmm. muscle like the more you work it 
the more you're going to be able to do. Your tolerance and your endurance levels are going to go up. And Cassie is a fucking morphine machine in this book. Mm -hmm. Like we see a lot of it from a lot of the kids, um, but Cassie especially more than anyone else. Because mm -hmm. the timeline of this book is sure. This is literally like an afternoon. Yeah. We yep. are on a short ass time scale. Mm hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's the, the, the author doesn't have a very good grasp on Cassie's morality. Um, mm. as is frighteningly common. Um, and it, I, I think that, that thing that you mentioned where it's like Cassie, as she's written here, Cassie definitely has a I know what's best kind of vibe to her, which hmm. isn't entirely out of character for Cassie, but it definitely, in the context of all the other stuff we see, feels mm -hmm. not so great. Um, it's it's that flanderization type. It's like taking yeah. a thing that is there and dialing it up mm -hmm. to a point where it then becomes... Yeah. A problem, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, it's one thing to think, be emotionally aware enough that you have to take steps that other people can't. Mm -hmm. And it makes for an interesting character, somebody who out of genuine care and love, like, no, I need to do this because you're not able to, or mm -hmm. I have the perspective. Like, that's interesting. And not a judgment on my part of how to write a good character. Like, there's lots of ways that you can do, like, lawful good characters or good aligned characters like doing what they consider to be the right thing and there's a good little exchange in this book actually that ha that is a good example of hanging a lampshade mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on it an exchange that cassie has with rachel later in this book yeah about doing the right thing um but there is a point where um it's taking agency for mothers and also being self-appointed in mm -hmm. that role which cassie is like yeah. and not saying that the others don't need her to play that role a lot of the time because they do i we've talked at length about how the kids have their roles to play in the group dynamic and when they don't things fall apart mm -hmm. but this is something different as in yeah. any trait written poorly or from maybe the place of not the best understanding runs the risk of ending up in a place you didn't mean, mean it to and painting yeah. a worse picture than you meant to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I think, uh, what you suggested of like her taking care of a patient that bites her or something would be a really good way to open this book. Um, but that said, I was also the child who would definitely do something like this. Because I thought I knew best. Because I, was I say with, with love, animals. that's not a surprising thing you've just revealed about yourself. <laughs> uh, I'm just uh, saying. It, it is, for any child who grows up really adoring animals, it is an extremely hard lesson to learn um, that oftentimes the best thing you can do is nothing. Hmm. And it's, it's such a hard lesson to learn. It is the worst. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, I, I think pro we don't have enough information to judge on this mouse, but also no. I think it's likely that this mouse would be better off without her intervention. And I don't know hmm. if that, I, I don't think it conveys the necessary uh lesson that would be best for this uh mm. but i don't think it is entirely out of character for her to do yeah that's fair i'm sorry i derailed the conversation at, at the first paragraph <laughs> it's a short book hopefully we still won't be here forever but no, no i mean it, it's 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 a it's a good thing to point out because it's like i didn't even blink at it. <laughs> and that's part of why you're here, is to offer a different perspective mm. on things like that. Um, 
Cause I was just like, yeah, that, that's a Cassie thing to do. That, that's a me when I was 13 thing to do. <laughs> mm. Uh, but, but this is all leading to Cassie introducing who she is. Um, and that she is an animorph. And then we get the usual, uh, spiel. Um, and we do get a very Cassie perspective on it, just mm-hmm. talking about the in- unique insight it gives her, um, mm-hmm. into the minds of animals and how that makes her different from her parents. Yeah. Um, but how it's not just about the becoming an animal, um, and how the morphing is a weapon. And, from the jump we get there's a judgmental tone and to be fair i think she's being judgmental of herself not everyone else and Mm -hmm. holding herself separately from it but the 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 weird moralistic tone of this book is established very early on yes um and it paints a bad picture of her or the picture she is painting of herself and the others ain't good So, um, and then we do get the, as much as I hate inflicting pain and sometimes death on the other yerk infested species, I can't just sit back and allow their evil to consume us, the human race as well. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Like there, it's this stance that comes in. Um, mm-hmm. and again, there are going to be choices made in this book, like illustrating the things you have to do in war. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get the knowledge about the resistance. We get, a little dig in on the chi, which mm-hmm. pissed me off. Um, from Cassie of all people. Uh-huh. But then I suppose, here we go. This is uh break two for me to go on a little thing. So <laughs> uh we have the introduction of the group and how that's basically it for their side. Well, unless you count the chi, a non-violent race of androids who help us by spying on the Yerks and infiltrating the their cover organization called the Sharing. But when it comes right down to it, we're the only ones out there aggressively defending our species. And I'm just here like, what the fuck, Cassie? <laughs> like, and and then my brain starts switching. It's like, are you just, you could make a very interesting thing that it makes sense. Like, Rachel is frustrated by the chi because mm-hmm. of, we, we know she's a very action-orientated person. The way she sees the, to get things done is through fighting is through the necessary application of violence that she maybe enjoys more than she should but is still necessary Mm -hmm. cassie expressing frustration at the team very much reads like why do you get to be in the war and not have to hurt people when i have to hurt people to do this yeah it does which I can, like, as an adult, they're just like, yeah, no, it was just like, why can't I be a chi? I want to do that job. Why can't I do that job? Because mm-hmm. having to do violence when it brings you no joy, like, when it is as distressing for her as, it, as she talks about, yeah, I can absolutely see why people not having to do it to fight the war would rub you the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But I do not like the downplaying of the chi. Yeah. Um, especially from our character that is meant to be the most anti-violent. <laughs> because I have real issues about like pacifism, one, isn't truly their choice. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Eric specifically made a choice, but also choosing between total pacifism and all-out murder machine those are kind of like, <laughs> that doesn't feel like a very fair comparison because like as we've talked like eric can't do surgery on somebody because mm-hmm. it is harming the body mm-hmm. like I, it feels bad like and to judge them for it when they're doing everything they can to help mm-hmm. and it's like I I like the chi, all right? <laughs> I'm here just like, yes, I love my long-lived dog robots who name drop famous dead people <laughs> and have cool projection technology, okay? They're my friends. I like, and they would be friends with me. Um, <laughs> but it just feels so out of place. And I feel like 
while, as I was just saying, there's interesting, uh, it's an interesting perspective of somebody who wants to not have to do violence, to be jealous or resentful or even envious. But the way it's written here feels kind of mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. And just adds to the weird mess of moralizing yeah. that is happening in this book. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Cassie deserves better. <laughs> she does. It's so true. Uh, yes, so, a sentiment that nobody has ever expressed before in Animorphs <laughs> analysis. Uh, so she hears a low-flying helicopter and she's like, well, that's weird. Um, she catches the mouse, puts it in a, a cage, uh, and then Eric shows up. Um, and <laughs> Eric has bad news, as always, uh, that the Yerks uh, managed to repair the Helmicron ship from way back in book 24 uh, that had the uh, morphing detection technology. Uh, and I want to give props to Visithraith, one of the few good ideas he's had, yeah. because this is a really smart use of resources. Uh-huh. Uh. Actually competent yerk behavior. <laughs> Good for them. I know Good they're the bad them. guys, but still. Uh, and uh, it's a problem because that like low-flying helicopter is flying over here because it can sense uh, the energy from the Esquiville device, the morphing cube. Uh, and so, so begins a book-long chase. Um, so the entirety of this book is, uh, them trying to play keep away with the morphing cube, um, and themselves, because when they morph, it also puts off morphing energy. Uh, so in some ways it is similar to... Actually, it's extremely fucking similar to what they had to do with the Velik uh, in Megamorphs 1, uh-huh. uh, where it detected their morphing energies and they had to like split up and uh, run it out. And eventually they lead it out to the water and drop a whale on it. <laughs> oh my God, they did, didn't they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> fucking hell. Jesus Christ. Okay. This book just slid down even lower in my estimations. Christ. Uh, and they um, do look, basically the exact same thing in this book. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you what, like, well, while Danielle tries to regain some composure, um, I don't blame him. Uh, this concept of a, just a chase is actually incredibly good. This is like a very bottle episode sort of a book. It's a very contained timeline, a very narrow scope of focus, and it's very compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and this sort of first sequence um, with Cassie with the Esagafield device shoved up her T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll quickly say we can get into some details in a sec. Uh, her mum is going to the gardens. Uh, for a work thing so she gets a ride um and we have this knowing that cassie's mom is a bad driver hilarious love this detail gotta say um but she gets a ride to the guns and when she gets there uh gets out of the car and we have the rest of the animorphs have gotten there in the meanwhile eric's clearly given them the heads up but they start directing her uh, where people are, especially Tobias, because that's, you know, he's our eyes in the sky, the very best of birds. He knows what he's about. And it's very, very good. It feels very like something you might see um, in one of the Bourne movies or a Bond film, like the person on the earpiece telling the spy where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very good. And you feel that fear that Cassie has to keep moving. And because obviously the inherent threat is like, you don't know any of these people could be in controller. Uh, we get this lovely little detail of her seeing, I think, a woman smiling up at the helicopter as it passes overhead. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a great, very compelling scene, and I like it a lot. 
And so it's frustrating that they basically have lifted the chase sequence from the other book. And I cannot believe the fucking whale thing is the same. I'm so <laughs> mad. I'm so mad. Danielle, it's... I'm so mad. <laughs> uh, to, they have used the whale thing on a couple of other instances. Uh, like in, uh, was it 34? Uh, with the, mm. when, with Aldrea again. Um, where they, mm. they have a problem and they drop a whale on it. Dropping a whale on it is a relatively common Animorph strategy. Look, it's a big-ass thing. I'm not denying it. I like the thought that maybe K.A. are big fans of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and that one scene with the sperm whaling falling out of the sperm whale falling out of the sky. like, that's actually a really good idea. And you guys know me. I love creative uses of morphing to solve problems. And sometimes a problem is solved by dropping a heavy thing on it. Yeah. But it, it you know, is basically beat for beat Megamorphs. Yeah. When you can turn into a whale, anything looks like a thing that's droppable of a whale onto it. This is me badly <laughs> mangling the whole when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, the fact that... Okay, now spoilers for the end of this book. The fact that the, what actually ends up happening is yeah. what Cassie offhandedly said. That feels like something from a comedy movie and not it in does. a good way. No, I hated it. I hated it. It's, it's the worst. so bad. Uh, yes, it, upsetting statistic. The number of birds that do get sucked into engines. It's a shitty, upsetting thing that happens. I imagine the number's actually not as big as it could be. I'm sure there are means in place to stop it. And most birds will keep the fuck out of the way, one would hope. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I don't know enough about birds or about planes, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and now uh, I'm just and thinking about how this is a helicopter, not a plane. Mm -hmm. And I'm mad all over again. Because they describe it as like getting sucked into the engine, and that's not really how hell called. Mm. I think it might have an intake engine. I don't know if it would make that's, the helicopter mm. blow up. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it, I don't so, know if enough about helicopters. This, it's so easy to fuck up a helicopter as well. Is the thing <laughs> like mm, mm, I'm so uh, this book is so stupid. So much of this book is stupid. It's very stupid. Um. Let me be clear. It, I need to state this now. This, worse than the Helmicrons, worse than the starfish, worse than fucking genetically modifying sharks. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, something beat the sharks. Damn. Something beat the sharks. Because at least with that, like, that's a buck wild, dumb sci fi premise, but at least it's a sci fi premise I can get behind. This book with its choices and a plot lifted from an earlier book where it made more sense to go, the only way that we can deal with this one helicopter is to drop a whale on it. Actually, that's not working. <laughs> Hi, hello. Oh, my God. Fucking Chekhov wrote the seagull. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm literally dying. Excuse me. I'm going to go lie down and fucking astral project to somewhere so I could go <laughs> hit my head against something really funky. I was going to make a Chekhov's gull joke and then it fucking hit me. And then fucking Anton Chekhov wrote the play The Seagull. Um, I'm dying. <laughs> I refuse to give the writer credit for doing this because judging by this book, I don't think they're that clever. I'm clever for making that joke and connection, and I'm suffering for it. <laughs> All right, we we Just, desperately need to get into this so our our reader our listeners know. What the fuck we're yeah. talking about? Uh huh. I'm gonna just sit back in my chair and let you talk for a bit and try and recover <laughs> from that fucking. I just annihilated myself with a pun. Just somewhere in Scotland, Richard is smiling and doesn't know why. Oh uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he's on uh. the other side of the ocean. He can feel it really potently from there. I'm sure. Uh huh. <laughs> oh fuck. Uh. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, so there, there's this chase scene through the gardens um, that, you know, it, it's fine. Uh, there, I love... <laughs> they, they do do a decent job of amping up the tension in terms of, like, when she's in the car with her mom, like, she, her mom isn't sticking at a good speed limit. She's, like, going 15 under the speed limit, but then when her mom tries to speed up, some dude gets in front of her and just continuously slows down because they're just a dick. <laughs> and it's just, like... Uh, and, and Cassie's just sitting in the passenger seat with this, with the Escafil device in under her shirt, uh, just like looking, craning her neck to look at the sky. Like, is the helicopter following us yet? Like, how long is it going to take? Can we get off this road, please? Because as it is, we're just kind of sitting ducks. Um, and, uh, they get to the gardens. Uh, Cassie gets over to uh where the others are as they are actually as seagulls um and as jade said <clears throat> oh that's weird it's weird that she stops by the american buffalo enclosure um which is where she meets up with the other kids but the buffalo in this book is a uh is an african cape buffalo uh, which is a different kind of buffalo and one that's much more likely to kill you. Um, but that's why, why would they choose the buffalo? I don't, I'm not going to ask any questions. The answer is because, um, so Tobias kind of leads her through away from some controllers who are pursuing her on foot. The helicopter's heading that way. Um, there's a tense thing where she's like on one side of a truck and uh, the controllers are on the other side of the truck. She doesn't have anywhere to go. They're coming around the truck uh, and she she escapes them by climbing into this cattle truck. Um, it's more like a. Uh, like a horse trailer, really. Because she doesn't know what's in it when she climbs in. Uh, and she realizes very quickly. That it is an African Cape buffalo. Uh, that is in the text described as AKA the Widowmaker. Yeah, these 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 are the buffaloes that regularly kill lions. Uh, they're meaner than snot and just like <laughs> uh, very deadly. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, like sharp ass horns. Um, yeah. Just to be fair, any animal this big is always going to be a danger to humans. This is true. Uh, but like, add sharp horns and territorial behaviors, and just—I mean, I'd be pissed off if I was hot all day. Like, mm -hmm. I can relate. <laughs> I can relate. Um, Interestingly, it is not an. I, I've just slipped over to the Wikipedia page uh, for some fun African buffaloes information. <laughs> um, how they're not an ancestor of domestic cattle, uh, and it's never been domesticated. Looking at these guys, I can understand why. Because the people, <laughs> uh, the indigenous people of the Arab, like, actually, you know what? Fuck this! After the first few people tried and failed, <laughs> um, that is too much work. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, unsurprisingly, they are uh, a popular, they are a sought-after uh, trophy for hunting with that kind of horns going on. I'm not entirely surprised. Um, mm -hmm. The head, fuck, right, it's shoulder height can range up to one to five, four, uh, five foot six, and we do know Cassie is a small person. Mm -hmm. um, and body length can range... Uh, from uh, five and a half feet to a, just over 11 feet, uh, including a long-ass tail by the sounds of it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and on average weigh between apparently 937 to 1,918 pounds. So, you know, yeah. not the biggest buffaloes in Africa, but certainly, oh wait, no, they are the biggest. I just cannot read. 
Um, but yeah, big boys. Yep. Yep. Uh, and extremely dangerous. Uh, and yeah. she immediately uh, realizes the danger. Re- she realizes the danger. And she's like, it's okay. Like, don't kill me. Please don't kill me. <laughs> um, the, the buffalo is secured. And I use that term very That's lightly. Yeah, I'm sorry. Anyone that knows animals, this is the worst kind of securing yeah, of an animal I've ever encountered in fiction. It's got two ropes around its horns and two around its neck, that, and the ropes are knotted onto metal loops in the truck's walls. Um, and the ropes are described as frayed. Um, okay, compared to the buffalo's head. Right, but also the, the term frayed is really what yeah, gives nah. me pause here. <laughs> like, yeah, as if you nah. wouldn't choose, like, you, it, it's, it's you pack your own parachute kind of deal, right? Like, you check yeah. that shit before you use it <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's the only mm-hmm. thing between you and being gored by a huge buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but, um, the readings are going wild from the, uh, the controllers in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, the, cause they've got the Esquivel advice is being picked up, but also so are the rest of the Animorphs kicking around at the mm-hmm. gardens, which is mm-hmm. good, but also, you know, uh, she, Cassie's still getting like check-ins from Tobias, um, and is giving her like, okay. And he's starting to sound panicked, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't happen often to his credit. Mm-hmm. Um, cause Visa 3 is here. Mm-hmm. Um, because of course he is. The buffalo is getting increasingly agitated. Um, uh, as the the car is on, as the truck is on the move. Obviously, Cassie is in there with it, with a very territorial animal. Mm-hmm. Um, in not a lot of space, and as the truck shifts and moves, uh, the ropes start snapping. Um. One snaps, and the noise, presumably, and the motion of the truck is getting the buffalo more and more upset, and it's skidding around, uh, fighting what restraints have got left. And Cassie is well aware that uh, she could either get trampled to death or gored by one of these horns. Then Visa 3 is going to be able to get the cube. Um, So she does the only thing she can think to do is... um, acquire this buffalo as a morph mm-hmm. and so it chills out so and so it is established that they can show the acquiring of a morph as being a process that takes more than a couple of seconds in this book yeah and she has to you know focus on the animal uh the animal goes into a trance mm-hmm. um and i I hate how morphing is treated in this book. I hate it so fucking much. We'll get to that in just a moment. Yeah, um, you'll, you'll you'll find the reasons for our disparaging tones very quickly. Um, so the truck is prevented from leaving the gardens wherever it's transporting this buffalo. Um, it's prevented from leaving the gardens by the Yerks who have set up a roadblock. Um, and Cassie knowing that she has little to no time, strips down to her morphing outfit and morphs the buffalo in this already crowded truck. Uh, it's not explained why, how uh, they both fit in here. Uh, it's kind of glossed over, frankly. Um, mm-hmm. and she lays the blue box on the floor of the truck and focuses on the buffalo's DNA. Uh and the morphing sequence is interesting. Uh, her, there is a lot of skull splitting. I don't remember if, if you mentioned mm. this on recording, Jade, but like there's a lot of skull splitting for like mm-hmm. horns to emerge or come back into the skull as part of morphing. Um, which is just awful. Um, but she morphs the buffalo. Does our, our, all right. Um, the, the truck driver is trying to tell Visser 3, who's in human morph, like, you really don't want to open that truck, buddy. Like, you really, really fucking don't. You trust me, please. I'm hauling a Cape Buffalo. You don't want to open that. 
Uh, in this says, agree, I, of course. I, I, I don't think I, you want to. She's like, never attempt to think for me, which <laughs> yeah. is just mwah, mwah, delicious. <laughs> yes. Um, and Visser 3 opens it and the driver, <laughs> the, the driver sees Cassie, who is not in restraints as a buffalo and just fucking books it. He just runs. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Respect to this driver. <laughs> he, he knows what's up. the restraints, but he was like, mm, yep, nope, I'm out of here. Yep. <laughs> I don't have to outrun the buffalo i just have to outrun you all (laughs) um uh and the cape buffalo instinct kicks in uh and she's fucking pissed uh there's a bunch Mm -hmm. of screaming uh and it sets off like it, it sounds really harsh in her ears and that sets off her hair trigger temper um and she just goes hog fucking wild just attacking everything that's around her uh, cars, mean, uh, people, cow, buck, wild. <laughs> I'm not proud of myself. I just felt obliged <laughs> to say it. Uh, buffalo, wild. Um, and uh, someone calls for someone to get a tranquilizer and come out here. And Tobias tries to uh, convince Cassie to gain control of herself. They're calling your mom. She's bringing a tranquilizer gun. Uh, Which is a good way to bring Cassie to the forefront, to be uh-huh, fair. Uh-huh. Um, and he asks her where the morphing cube is. She's like, oh, yeah, I left it in the truck. Because she makes dumb decisions in this book for some reason. Uh, and so she goes Only back. the buffalo had just stepped on it. Like, honestly. <laughs> um. So she goes back towards the truck and the other, the real buffalo, uh, steps out of the truck and immediately stampedes and gores Chapman and basically sends him literally flying. He's described as hitting the ground with the same dull whump a watermelon makes when you drop it. Like, that man should be dead. He's just lucky that the the mm. buffalo didn't have a chance to like really build up speed uh like, i will say like one it was established glory but i will say you probably the buffalo probably got enough lingering dna on its horns from goring this I one i might be willing no absolutely no. not <laughs> no i, I refuse this is great uh-huh. uh, <laughs> no uh because he's 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 not there's no mention of blood here. They just say that he's hit and he goes flying. I refuse okay. to believe that this buffalo is acquiring Chapman through its fact- blood on its horns, okay. which okay. isn't even its skin. They're made of keratin. Uh-huh. It's effectively he's touching it with his hair. No, uh-huh. I refuse. No. You being so mad about this is giving me life, I have to say. Um, but yeah, for all like the persnickety, I, I really said that just to see how annoyed <laughs> Danielle would be by it. Um, mission accomplished. I'm very happy. Um, the fact of the matter is that morphing requires intent or acquiring requires intent. Yes. You, you specifically have else. to focus on the animal. Otherwise, you would be, like, acquiring morphs from every living person you happen to encounter. Like, Cassie fucking works with animals all the time. The kids uh-huh. touch each other all the time. Mm-hmm. It's bullshit. It is, it is entirely bullshit. I, I I hate it so much. They, like, they're, they're maybe trying to make the argument here that, like, oh, the bull is intent on Chapman when it gores him and it's us thinking about him. And it's like, no. No, this goes against everything you've been building up for 38 books, more than 38 books, because they're fucking Megamorphs and Chronicles in there. No, I refuse. You- Danielle's religion has been disrespected. <laughs> this book has committed heresy. Like, I understand that morphing works mostly on the rule of cool anyway. Like, K.A. is not extremely dedicated to the thought of 
morphing following extremely strict rules. But it However, has got, but like you said, it's got a precedent that has been set of the amount of time ish, even if it's nebulous. Um, the only definite time factor is two fucking plot contrived hours at any given time. But yes, up until this point, we have seen that acquiring morphs takes effort, and even engaging with the Escafil device to mm -hmm. obtain the morphing power. Like, you can't just touch it. David touched it all over the fucking place before they gave it to him. Mm-hmm. You can't come at me with that shit. Someone else who exactly. at least has the morphing power has to mm -hmm. be touching it when they touch uh -huh. it. Mm-hmm. You got, like, you can't just handle the lament configuration. You got to solve it to get the Cenobites out. <laughs> that, I know that's not how Hellraiser works, okay? I just saw the trailer for the TV series the other day, so it popped into my head. Cool cubes. Terrifying powers. <laughs> Let's get back to the book. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the, the buffalo just makes a fucking mess. Um, Cassie goes and grabs the cube in her mouth and just starts running. Um, uh, and the real buffalo goes running off into the woods and she follows. Um, they go far enough into the woods. Uh, they kind of, uh, diverge. They're not like right next to each other. Um, but Cassie goes to a point where she can demorph. Um, and she does, and she's like, has anyone come up with a plan for destroying the Hemicron ship yet? And he's like, no, but we have to figure something out because, uh, the helicopters are definitely continuing, or the helicopter, um, uh, is continuing to, uh, go after them. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, she morphs back into human. It's really gross again with the skull splitting and the 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 horns kind of just folding back into the skull um and uh she kind of just starts walking um just into the woods because they don't really have anywhere else to go but the woods at least they can kind of they're not around a whole bunch of civilians right um, she and Tobias keep going for a little while, and then they come across the buffalo. Uh, and, and if you thought we were mad before. I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm gonna read it, because it really, it is truly disturbing. Like, it is viscerally disturbing, and in that way, written well. But it it just makes no sense is the problem. The conceit is what's busted, not the writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cape Buffalo stood there quivering, twisting, its eyes bulging with panic, its mouth gaping in a silent scream. The scene was pretty bizarre all by itself, but in our world, things always had to be slightly more than weird. Which, by the way, sounds like the brief they give to the ghostwriter. Right? Mm. Like, it's, everything's going to be weird, but because it's Animorphs, you have to make it just a little bit more weird. <laughs> anyway. See, the Cape Buffalo stood there, but instead of a Cape Buffalo head and face was our assistant principals, Chapman. A freak of nature. So help me, that's the first thought that swept into my mind as I watched the buffalo stumble and squirm. It sprouted a human leg covered with coarse, black animal hair. Fringed, shaggy ears whipped out of Chapman's head, then shrunk into dachshund-sized ears. What the? Tobias finally blurted, sounding a little nauseated. It's morphing, I whispered. I covered my mouth with my free hand and fell back a step. It was really terrible. Chapman's skull split in the center and a pair of horns flowed from the crack like waves. How could it be morphing, Tobias said, turning away and staring at me instead of the buffalo. It must have touched the blue box, I said helplessly, thinking back. I had laid the box down in the truck while I morphed. Oh god, it saw me morph in the truck, and then somehow, while I was out rampaging around the highway, it must have ripped free of its remaining restraints, brushed past the box, and then it had plowed straight into Chapman and, without even knowing it, had acquired its DNA. 
I fell silent, not even realizing that I'd been speaking aloud. How could this happen? Tobias asked, and I ask as well. Uh, keeping his fierce hawk's gaze fixed firmly on me. Like if he didn't see the buffalo, it wouldn't exist. Cassie, we can't have an animal roaming around he out here morphing Chapman. And what if it touches something else? What if it goes around acquiring, I don't know, everything because it doesn't know any better? It could because it doesn't even know what's happening to itself, I said quietly, watching as the morphed Chapman finally became complete. Look, I really don't want to, he said, but did anyway. The buffalo, Chapman, was down on all fours, and though the human form was apparent, it was covered in coarse hair, thankfully. Suddenly, it began tossing its head and making hooking movements, even though it no longer had its horns. It snorted, then sniffed the air with its now pitiful human nose. Slowly, watchfully, it lowered its head and bit off a mouthful of weeds. It's grazing, I said, feeling nauseous. The buffa human stiffened. It looked around, then spotted me issued a challenging snort and then a weak warbling, wah. I can't watch this anymore, I said, as the buffa human or Chapman or whatever it was crawled and lurched toward me on its hands and knees. It was trying to charge, to hook me with its non-existent horns, to kill me, to protect and defend. I stepped aside as it lumbered past, its human head swinging and its tongue lolling out, not even realizing it had missed me. This isn't too weird, Tobias said as the buffa human stopped, turned, and slowly, creakily straightened up onto its knees. Wrong. It was all wrong. This terrible twisted creature made my skin crawl. An adult, an assistant principal, who was not supposed to huff and grunt and drool, was not allowed to crawl and snort and pant. It betrayed everything I knew to be true about, about, it has a human brain, Tobias, but it doesn't have a clue as to what to do with it, I said, unable to stop staring at it, the way some people stare as they drive by car wrecks. It was grisly, it was gruesome, but I couldn't stop watching as the creature rose, wobbling and unsure, onto two legs. Look, it's learning, it's watching and learning. The sight was both disturbing and exciting. Yeah, well, that's great, except we've got to get out of here, Tobias said, flapping to the top of the tree for another helicopter check. Oh, yeah. There's a whole group of people fanned out across the edge of the field, and they're making their way over here. We can't just leave it here, I said, watching as the buffa human took a first shaky step toward me. Well, we can't take it with us, Tobias said. No, we couldn't. Not like this. But if I could get it to demorph back to its buffalo shape, then it would stop putting off so much morphing energy. And she goes and she tries to morph into the buffalo. The buffa human begins to follow her, but then kind of stops and can't be uh, urged to continue. Um, and Tobias is like, why won't it work? Why won't it work? It, why isn't it following you the rest of the way? Who fucking knows? Um, and she says, we can't leave him. He doesn't even understand what's happening to him. Um, I was frustrated because what Tobias said was absolutely true. We did need to go, but how could I have created such a mutation, even by mistake, and abandon it? Him. I felt like a 21st century Dr. Frankenstein, and it was not a good feeling. Um, but ultimately, she abandons the buffalo and runs off with Tobias. Now. Deus Ex Buffalo will return more yes. than once. It will. Don't worry. We have not seen the last of the buffalo. The as much as you wish we had. <laughs>